to worship you. We come indeed bowing our knees before Christ, who is our Lord, and all this to the glory of God the Father. And we praise you, O God, and we glory in you, and we glory in Christ this morning. We glory in him who is the King of glory, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory forever and ever. And so we praise you, O Lord God, and we pray as we come this morning that you would help us, Father, that you would increase our faith, that you would help us to come in faith as well as we come to your word, that you would help us to, to think about it, to consider it, to let it seep into our hearts and our minds and our lives, O Lord, because we don't want to just be those who would be hearers of the word and not doers of the word. We want to hear and do and be these things. And so we pray for your help, Lord, that we would come entrusting ourselves to your word, Father. And so we pray for your grace in this and we pray that you would help us also leave growing in our faith, that we would um, not just be stagnant in our faith. We would not just see our faith as something we did long ago, but is not for today, but that we would let our faith uh, flourish and be spurred on and growing in greater conformity to Christ as we hear your word this morning. And we pray as well, Father, that you would help us then to go and live by faith as we go into every area and sphere of our life that we come defined by Jesus Christ, that we would live out a profession and we would live out the truth that we know Christ and we want him to be known. And so help us, Father, we pray. Bless our time in your word. Help us come and help us be ready and ready us to come. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5, verse 30, we will be taking up the final part of Jesus' response here to the Jews in chapter 5. So we have seen this over these last three weeks. We have been here in John chapter 5. We have seen Jesus incredibly heal a man who was an invalid for 38 years. And at this healing, we also see the Jews and their response is not one of praise and amazement and glorifying God, but instead they are opposing Jesus because he did this, he did, he healed this man on the Sabbath day. And so they are furious at that, but all the more furious that Jesus is claiming and even is, as we have seen already in chapter 5, he is equal with God. And so they are furious with this. And so these events and Jesus' response here, they set in motion here with chapter 5, uh, opposition that will take him all the way to the cross. And so today we then have the last part of Jesus' response here beginning in verse 30. And I will just read all the way until the end of the chapter. So that's verse 47. So may God bless his truly true word. 
I can do nothing on my own. As I, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There's another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man. But I say these things that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp. And you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For you believed Moses, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how would you believe my words. Now as we come here to the last part of Jesus' response to the Jews, and once again here we see Jesus, even as we have seen already in chapter 5, Jesus is not one and he does not mince words here. Jesus' words here are not light or are they evasive? And so far we have seen Jesus correct, yet even as he is correcting, the, we see him also calling them to come, calling them to believe in him. And he, he sees, he recognizes their opposition, but he, he wants them to come as well and not to miss him. And glory to God that they would turn to him by faith. But we know as the Gospel of John you know, continues this opposition only grows greater and the hardness seems to come, become only greater even still. And, but here we see that Jesus is still extending and calling them to faith in him. So even in the face of opposition, Jesus wants them to see their deep need for him. But he's not going to lie. He would be lying to say anything other than he indeed is equal with the Father. He indeed, or indeed, that dishonoring him is dishonoring the Father. That not believing his word is not believing the Father as well who sent him. That 
outside of trusting in Jesus, they too will be, me, be among those who will be judged by Jesus in the end. And so, connecting then last week's verses to our passage today is this verse, the first one, verse 30. And here in verse 30 we see this point, Jesus' absolute dependence on the Father. So Jesus, he reiterates his words from verse 19 that we heard a while back now, but he reiterates them and he says, I can do nothing on my own. So he does all he does dependent on the Father. And so also with his judgment as well, his judgment is just because he does not seek his own will, but he seeks the will of the Father. They are one. And this is right here, this is just what we so desperately need. You know, when I was growing up, you know, I had to learn a lot of things, as we all, you know, do and did. But I didn't have to learn to disobey God. All that, that just came, came natural to me. And it's, you know, it's deeper than that as well. It's not simply that we disobey God because it's just what we do. We disobey because it's natural. It's part of our nature. It's built into us because of the fall. So when Adam sinned, and from then on, all of us, and this isn't a stretch, all of us breathe out disobedience to God. How desperately then do we see we don't only need part of Jesus, we don't just need his suffering, we don't just need his death, we don't just need his resurrection, we need his life. We need all of Jesus from beginning to end to now. We need Jesus. So what do I mean by that? Well, I mean Romans 5.19. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So when we trust in Christ... His righteousness is accounted to us, including His obedience. You see why we need His whole life? Otherwise, we would have no hope. You know, once there was a, a little boy who saw how gladly you know, his dog obeyed him. And, and at seeing this, you know, he said, I wish I could mind God as my, my little dog minds me, he always looks so pleased to mind, and I don't. And this is where this passage comes and doubly exhorts us that you and I need Jesus, all of Jesus, every part of Jesus. We need Him. So that's one. And then two, if you know Jesus, we are exhorted here also to delight in being like Jesus. So as Jesus here delighted in obeying his Father and doing his will, he took joy in doing the will of the Father. 
we see then our call to utter submission to God. So Jesus said, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And what, what joy and what gladness that we find submitting to all the good will of God. Now, you may be thinking here, wait a minute. You know, Jesus is God. We can't be like him. And, I mean, if you've been in church for quite a bit of time, whether people say that or not, there's kind of like this uh, atmosphere or like something floating over us that kind of is like, well, that, yeah, but that's Jesus. You know, so we kind of have this detached view of Jesus that, you know, we really, you know, he was all these things, but that's not really for us. Well, in one sense, you're certainly right, but this is not the way that Scripture tells us to see Jesus. It doesn't say, you know, trust him, believe him, be saved by faith in him, but then go and be like someone else. Right? No, it says, by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 John 2 5 through 6. So we are called then to take up his heart and mind here as well. So in Christ, your old, stony, disobedient, and rebellious heart, it is taken out, and you are given a new heart, a heart of flesh. And so sin's power was broken, and now the Spirit of God is inside you. He dwells in you. And now you have a new master with new desires and a new heart that is no longer dead, but is alive. Praise God. So, we see Jesus and his heart and submission to the Father. And then we come and we, we see this and we say, well then, let my life be in view of this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And for the death he died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, he lives to God. So also you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now wherever it is then, in any and every area of our lives, whether it is waiting on God for something, you know, walking through the storm clouds of suffering or loss or sickness working at your job, leading your family, or serving in Christ's church, our call is glad, self-denying submission to our good Father and to all of goodwill. And we recognize, and we come to the Word of God, and we see that every single word in God's Word is for our good. We don't say, well, you know, I don't quite agree with this, so maybe I'm not going to follow this. We say, All of your word is good and it's for me to receive and to follow what you tell me to do. And so we take on the demeanor, the mindset, the heart of Christ and saying all the will of God, that is what I want to do. I want to follow my Father in heaven. In this point, 
I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. It's made plain here in the verses that follow as well. So this connects us to what Jesus then says here in verses 31 onward. And how he says there in verse 31 that his testimony alone is not true. So that may be a bit confusing. Why in the world would he say that? Well, he has just spent all of his response saying that he and the Father are one. Would he want to speak alone? <laughs> right? He, God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So his, he does not have a testimony that would be alone. So that's one thing we can say to that. But he also says this in view of a number of points here. So first, he says this in view of his previous words. So he has just said again and again that he and the Father are one. So if his testimony was disconnected from the Father, it wouldn't be true. So see that? And then second, another reason he's pointing this out, he's getting ready to provide a case for the veracity of all he is saying in accord with Deuteronomy 19.15. So Deuteronomy 19.15, what, what was going on there? The, well, Deuteronomy 19.15, what was what's said there is uh, there uh, needs to be a case is established not on the basis of one witness, but on the basis of two or three. And so as the Jews... They are hearing, have that in mind. And then they also have some things that we've seen over these last few weeks as well as we've walked through the Gospel of John. Jewish oral tradition, like the Mishnah. And so the Mishnah particularly, it prescribed, it said, none may be believed when he testifies in himself. They, they have that. So they're hearing him talk, going on in the back of their minds. And... Mishnah again, no individual can be deemed trustworthy in himself. So all of this, they're hearing Jesus speak, and now Jesus is giving an answer to this. So in view of this, what we have ahead are five witnesses to the truthfulness of Jesus' testimony. And the first of these, so there's five here, the first of these is John the Baptist. So we see that in verse Verses 33 through 35. So we've, we've already seen John's witness again and again, really, in this gospel. And what's interesting here is that Jesus says of John that he was a, a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. So in other words, they were hearing John and his witness, and they, they heard him, and they were even getting excited at what he was saying and the prospects of Wow, you're saying that the Messiah may be really coming? That's, that's a reason to rejoice. And so there was a, a great hubbub stirred by John, and they rejoiced of what may be ahead. And so they were looking forward to what John had said and wondering about what would come. But now that the one John was a witness for has come, They weren't expecting this. They weren't expecting him to be this kind of Messiah. They weren't expecting him to go into the temple and turn over the tables like he did and to call them out. 
They were, weren't expecting this kind of Messiah. You know, and to be honest, people have, and this really hasn't, hasn't changed. I mean, people still have trouble with Jesus, this Jesus, today as well. I mean, they try to, try to wrestle uh, him down and they kind of try to form him into the kind of Jesus that fits their agenda. You know, whatever direction they want to take him to say he's on our side. Well, Jesus has not fit the mold that we have made for him. But the problem with that are molding him into whatever kind of opinion or theology or political thing you're trying to do is the real living, breathing, and now risen Jesus is not moldable to our liking. He is who He is. He is full of grace, yes, and truth. He is humble and exalted. He welcomes and rebukes. He is the good shepherd and He is the righteous judge. He is the lamb And he is a lion. So, whoever you are, whether friend or foe, see you need your need for this Jesus and not the false one that we may think that we can mold him into to fit our opinions, our agendas, and our idols. And we do that too. So, there's John. The first witness. The second witness is Jesus' works. So verse 36. So Jesus did not have to give John as example, but he did. And why did he do that? Well, we said a moment ago that they may be saved. You see his heart for even those who are opposing him, those who are against him, those who are his enemies. What of our enemies? However, we see here the greater testimony. We see God's testimony. Jesus' works, they have over them the Father's stamp. So the seal of the Father is over Jesus, over his miracles, over his teaching over his life and then on into his works and the cross and his burial and his resurrection. And so this leads us then to the third witness, the Father. So the other one who bears witness from verse 32 and in verse, verses there, 37 and 38, is that of the Father himself. So Moses had heard his voice. Jacob had seen and even wrestled with some kind of form there of God. And many have hidden God's word in their heart as we have seen. And we even look at the psalmists and are amazed, even Psalm 119, and how they are uh, people who have gotten the word in their hearts and in their lives. Yet this is not so For those here, for the Jews here, they don't hear his word, they have not seen his form, and they don't have their word 
right, God's word in them. Which leads us to the fourth witness here, the scriptures. Verse 39 through 44. So during this time, Jewish teachers, they taught that life was available to those who obeyed scripture. Yet as they diligently and even scrupulously searched the scriptures, it was no evidence they knew God. Nor was it evidence of their love for God. I mean, what a warning for us who have so many resources at our fingertips. We have so, many, uh, so much access to tools for studying Scripture that really is unprecedented in history that we can just pull down or bring up information that took hours and hours for people to study, to think about, to look for. Yet, we may know much, but not know much. We may know a lot of what Scripture says, but really know nothing of what Scripture says. And that can happen. And it evidence, it happened to them. So it can happen to us. The fifth and last witness here is Moses. So verses 45 through 47. So Moses, he wrote of Jesus. Where did he write of Jesus? Deuteronomy 18. He said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And what are they not doing? (laughs) They're not listening. And so the Moses they revere even now accuses them for not believing in the Messiah who is standing right before them. And so we have here our conclusion. His testimony is true. So the witnesses, they have been called in the case. It is a sure one, along with everything else that Jesus has said. What would keep them, what would keep you from believing and taking in all of his words here. Even more, what is restraining us from unreservedly living and even risking our lives for Christ in such a day as are ours, knowing that every word of his word is true? So, listen. We don't believe in a lie. We don't believe in mere fables. But we have here the truth, and we have here the true Savior. So are we living like that? Are we coming to the Word of God, and all the walls that we have devised in our life, and saying, well, we, we worship God at church, and maybe not at work, we don't, we don't let our faith be known, or whatever it is, all the walls that we have made, are we living like this is true? Are we living like this is the only Savior? Are we speaking like that? Are we loving like that? Are we serving like that? Are we working like that? Are we throwing off restraint and wholly embracing every word of His Word? 
Are we just letting it, letting God's word be God's word in our lives? And if you're here and you don't know Christ, what would keep you from believing and giving Jesus your life? All of it. He doesn't lie. He can and will save you if you just simply come to Him and believe. I mean, this is the very reason this gospel was written and why this account is given so that you may believe that He is the the Christ, the Son of God, and so have life in His name. So as we take in all of these verses, the submissive Savior, the five witnesses, let me give four exhortations regarding these verses. First, beware of just how deep unbelief can be. Just let that kind of Stay on you for a minute. Think about that. How deep unbelief be. The Jews here were so blinded by their unbelief they could not see the Savior of the world standing right in front of them. They had carefully studied, they had analyzed the scriptures such that they'd even added rules on top of scripture in an effort to keep scripture. Yet their hearts were hardened to God's Word, even as they were painstakingly considering God's Word. The more they got into it, the less they saw. You know, seven years before I you know, put my faith in Christ, you know, I had been over those seven years, I'd been given a Bible by my, my dad, King James Version. And so, over those seven years, I began reading through the King James Version, and to be honest, now I read it, but didn't read it. I read from Genesis to Revelation even then, and you could have asked me what I had just read, and I would not be able to tell you. I was reading, but not reading. I was lost in a blind, self-made glimmer of religiosity, even as I rejected and turned away from anything to do with God. And so there are many ways to not believe what God says. So consider yourselves. Consider how you are handling God's word. How are you receiving God's word? Do you take it to its full end? Do you seek to live live it out by faith? And second, the first expectation, be aware of just how Deep unbelief can be. Second, beware of a Jesusless hermeneutic. Hermeneutic is you're studying and understanding, trying to interpret the Bible and how you are trying to interpret the Bible. And so Jesus says in verse 39 that the scriptures bear witness about me, about Jesus. So it's it's possible. To read the Bible with gospelless eyes. It's possible to read the Bible and misunderstand and misapply what you're reading because you are missing the trajectory of it all. Jesus. 
You know, I remember once when I was going to college in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, we took night classes then, and I had to finish my degree, and that was really the classes they had available, and they were setting forth for students. And so I got done rather late in the evening. It was like nine or ten o'clock uh, p.m. And so on my way home, somehow I got turned around, and unbeknownst to me, I began heading the wrong way. Now, if you know me, and Megan would know this about me, my wife, you know, she, she'll know exactly what I'm talking about here. If you know me, I'm the guy who does stop for directions because I'm so bad with directions. <laughs> so I'm unashamed to say that. I've tried. I've worked at it. And pray for me. <laughs> so I was, I was well off course. I would have really continued to be if I hadn't come out of my stupor and saw that 30 minutes later I was heading in the wrong direction. Well, we can, we can do the same thing with our Bibles as well. You may miss the hint of one to come who will crush the serpent's head. You may miss the emphasis on offspring throughout Genesis and Abraham's Offspring that ultimately, as Paul says, was referring to Christ. You may miss each successive person who came and failed to bring about bringing people back to God and to bring about the kingdom of God. You will see Isaac fell, and Jacob, and Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, David, Solomon, and more. Yet here is the one to whom all of these ultimately pointed. Jesus. And so beware of missing your Bibles, missing the point, and misreading your Bibles by taking up a Jesusless hermeneutic, reading without considering how the scriptures bear witness to Jesus, and they do. Just like Jesus said, they do. And third, Beware of knowledgeless knowledge. The Jews, they knew an incredible amount of Scripture. Yet, you can know much, but know little. You may be well-versed in Hebrew and Greek. You may be able to recite from memory whole books of the Bible. You may have read thousands of books on and about Scripture on and about, or on theology and about the Christian life, but all your shelves might as well be empty. If you don't know Him, and your heart's not His, even as you're taking in all these things and your, your mind is being filled, but your life is empty of the things that would reflect Christ. If you don't know Him, or on about him upon which all of these things point and speak, you have missed the whole. Fourth, and lastly, beware of the glory of men and so miss the glory that comes from God. Jesus says in verse 44, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. It is so easy to 
to make a small shift in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives that, that turns us towards aiming at glory among men and missing the heart of God, missing His Word, and missing the Gospel. Instead of being burdened down and impossibly beholden to trying to please others and gaining honor from people, be freed to live as you were created to to live. Be freed to love others as Christ loved them. Be freed to love and serve your Lord. You are a servant of Christ. And even as we have seen our submissive Savior, we know therefore what our hearts and minds and lives and all of us should be ultimately submissive to. Am I now seeking uh, the praises of men or the praises of God or praise of God? Are we bond servants of Christ? Am I still trying to please men or am I trying to please God? And so this morning, let us gladly receive his testimony. Throw off lives aimed at the transitory praises of men and with joy submit to our good God. Take up your crosses and let us lose this gospel, powerful to save, transform, and change the world Yet, still, even now, even as we don't see people repenting, humbling themselves before the mighty God and turning quickly back to Him, let us not for one second think that the gospel is powerless to save. It will, believers. And church, arise. Let us go and live out this gospel Let us go and submit to our Savior. Let us go and declare this one Savior of the world. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, to hear this morning. Help us, Lord, to believe this morning. Help confront any unbelief in us, any areas of our lives that we have said are really off limits to the Word of God, perhaps a sin that we have treasured for too long, perhaps an idol that we have bowed down and worshipped and it has brought so much trouble and struggle into our lives whether we know it or not. Help us, Father, to examine ourselves and do exactly what the Jews were not doing here and humble ourselves and seek your face. Help us to live these things out, Lord. Help us to be a people of your word and not a people who know much of your word but do not then know much of your word. May we not be a church that has many Bible studies, but really does not have many Bible studies. 
May we not be a church that talks a lot about doing things, but does not do anything for Christ, the kingdom, and the gospel. May we not be people or families that perhaps lead our children or mislead our children. So help us, Father, to be people who are wholly yours. Help us, Lord, right now to consider ourselves, take up our cross and follow you. And if there's anyone listening or here who does not know Christ, pray they would believe, they would trust in Christ and turn to him because he can save them and he can truly save them. And another work of Jesus is all of us here. We are evidence of the work of the Father through Christ by your Spirit. So may you lead many to trust you even now. We look to you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.